This week, I answer the seven most asked questions about category rated cabling. Welcome to the show where we tackle the tough questions submitted by installers, project managers, estimators, IT personnel, and even customers. On this show, we connect at the human level so that we can connect the world. If you're watching this on YouTube, would you mind hitting the subscribe button and then the bell button to be notified when new content is released? If you're listening to us on one of the podcast platforms, such as iTunes or or Google Play, would you mind leaving us a five-star rating? Those couple little steps helps us take on the algorithm, which gets this message out to more people so we can educate, encourage, and enrich the lives of more people in the ICT industry. Also, Thursday night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we live stream where you get to ask your favorite RCDD your questions about installation, design, estimation, project management, even career path. It's on YouTube, LinkedIn, TikTok, and soon Instagram. Remember, Thursday night, 6 p.m., questions submitted early via email at questions at Let's Talk Cabling will get preference. But here now, Chuck, I'm driving. I can't be doing that. I'm driving a truck. They're recorded, and you can watch them on our website, letstalkcabling.com. Finally, while we provide this content free of charge and always will, if you would like to support this channel and have access to additional information, make sure you check out the QR code where you can buy me a cup of coffee. You can schedule a one-on-one 15-minute Zoom call with me after hours. You can become a Patreon member and enjoy additional benefits. Or you can visit our Amazon link page where you can see ICT products for the industry. You won't pay any extra, but I'll make a small little stipend if you do. As I said in my intro, today's show is the top seven questions about category-rated cabling that I receive the most often. I I receive these over and over again. They cover the gambit, and I assume that when these questions are asked, that I'm not always getting asked by the most seasoned installer or technician. But even so, I'm still glad that you're proactive about trying to get answers to these questions and not reactive. These questions are in no particular order. Question one, are Category 5E and Category 6 cable compatible? The answer is yes and no. Category 5E cables rated up to 100 megahertz. Category 6 is rated to 250 megahertz. I did an extensive show back on this back in October 2020 called Category Rated Cable, What is the Difference? on the podcast and on YouTube platform. So I highly recommend that you go back and listen to that entire show. Getting back to our discussion, think of those numbers as lanes on a highway. Category 5E cable only has 100 lanes. Cat 6 has 250 lanes. And you can quickly see that Cat 6 cable has over double the amount of lanes to transmit that network traffic. Another factor that makes those cables perform better is the encoding schemes. They use to transport those ones and zeros. So yes, Category 6 cable is compatible with Category 5E. Category-rated cable and components are backwards compatible, meaning you can put a Category 6 connector on a Category 5E cable plant and it'll still perform to Category 5E. Your cable channel, though, includes the patch cord and the work area outlet to the connector that's on that faceplate. That's called the work area outlet which is terminated on that four-pair cable, which is called horizontal cable, which runs back to the patch panel, which is called the horizontal cross-connect, 
and then ends at the other patch cord on the other side that's plugged into the piece of equipment. Remember, you're only as good as your weakest link. Now, what this means is, if I have a Category 6 channel, and I replace any part of that channel with a Category 5E component, the whole channel will only function as Category 5E channel, a, a very expensive Category 5E channel. Another variant that I get of this question is, can I use Cat5e for a phone line? Yes, you can. In fact, it is recommended that you use Cat5e cable for phone lines because many phone systems now are, driving, are driven by data. If you have an analog phone line, though, you can use a lower grade such as Category 3 cable. But keep in mind, since Category 3 cable is not in high demand, the price of it can be the same, if not higher, than Category 5e cable right now, which is in high demand. Question 2. Is Category 6A a shielded cable? Category 6A cable comes in three types of varieties, unshielded, shielded, and a discontinuous shielded cable that is technically classified as an unshielded cable. Category 6A cable performs up to 500 megahertz. The higher the frequency, the more susceptible it is to EMI. EMI affects our cable in the ways of near and crosstalk, far and crosstalk, the power sum near and far and crosstalks, and alien crosstalks. The pairs in the Category 6A cable are twisted more per inch to provide protection from EMI. And I might add, they are total pain to terminate. However, UTP cable is not always the cable that's going to be chosen. In some environments, like industrial plants, casinos, and hospitals, there can be a ton of EMI, and the shielded variant is going to be chosen often to mitigate that interference. The way you can tell if a cable is shielded, if you don't know the part number, or have a catalog to look it up, is to look at the jacket. Check to see if the cable has a foil or braid shield inside of it and a drain wire. You can also, if you have access to both ends, check to see if that foil or that braided shield is electrically continuous all the way through. It tests for continuity. Both ends of a shielded cable should be bonded or ground. In the telecom room, you will bond that patch panel, and in the work area outlet, you're going to use a shielded patch cord, which will pick up the ground on the third prong of the electrical receptacle through the chassis on the PC. Now, the other cable that I mentioned is the discontinuous shielded cable. Technically, it's classified as an unshielded cable. Now, there is no drain wire inside of the cable, and that full shield is not, not electrically continuous all the way through the cable. There's a small break in the shield at predetermined intervals, and this will perform better than a UTP cable, but not quite as good as a shielded cable. The advantage of using the discontinuous isolated wrap type of cable is you get almost the same performance as a shielded cable without having to buy the expensive cable and expensive, expensive shielded termination jacks. Question number three. Can I use Category 5E cable for my house? Category 5E cable will support up to a 1 gigabit network, up to 328 feet. Most houses, though, are going to, runs are going to be typically far shorter than 328 feet, probably closer to 100 or 150 feet. So Cat5e can run those faster types of protocols than 1 gigabit, but only for a very short distance. When you're talking about installation network cabling inside the house, you need to address the elephant in the room. Running cables in a house can and typically is more difficult than running cable in a commercial office building. That is why I would use a best practice manual like the TMM for guidance. The TMM states that Category 5E cable or better, though Category 6A is recommended. The ANSI 570 standard, which is the residential wiring standard, 
tells us cat 6a is required. Now, two points I want to make here is first, there is a difference between required and recommended, so pay close attention to the words that they choose to use. And the second point is standards are voluntary. You don't have to follow the standards, but the impact is not going to be the same as if you don't follow the code. You can put in Category 5e cable, but because of the degree of difficulty that comes along with doing cabling inside of a house, I would follow the, the TDMM and or the 570 residential standard because it's hard to put cabling inside of a house as opposed to a commercial office building. Question number four, is Category 5e cable better than Category 5 cable? Yes, it is a better cable. The E in Cat 5e stands for enhanced. Now, they both operate at 100 megahertz, but Category 5e cable will support 1 gigabit networks more reliably. Now, I'm not aware of any distribution channels that still sells Category 5 cable anymore. There are parts of the world, though, that still refer to Cat 5e cable as Cat 5. So you have to be careful when you're discussing Cat 5 or Cat 5e, especially when you're designing a network and that person might be outside of the U.S. Cat 5 cable was a recognized category rating of cable, but it has become a legacy cable. Cat 5e is still recognized and allowed by the ANSI standards. One thing I do want to point out, though, is sometimes manufacturers come up with their own ratings. Don't confuse them with the ratings that you find in the standards. For example, you might find Category 5 Little E and Category 5 Big E by a manufacturer. Now, the Category 5 Big E, they claim that it would perform up to 350 megahertz, which is better than the 100 megahertz that Cat 5e was in the standards. It is a better cable, sure, but it's not a recognized rating by the standards. They did the same thing with Cat 6. There's a few manufacturers out there that put up Cat 6e cabling. Category 6e is not recognized in the standards, but they gave it that name because it performs better than Cat 6 cable. Now, do you see why there's so much confusion about category rating cabling? Our industry doesn't help itself very much. Question 5. How can I tell the difference between category 5e cable and other cables like Cat 6a? The easiest way is to look at the jacket on the cable. It will tell you what the rating of the cable is. It will tell you what plenum rating it is. It also will give you other information like footage markings and stuff. The cables, though, are physically going to be different. The twists are more in category 6a cable than Cat 5e. Cat 6a is usually 23 gauge, while Cat 5e is the smaller 24 gauge. Category 6 also comes with sometimes additional non-conductive elements inside the cable to protect the cable geometry, like a cross-web separator. However, Cat 6a doesn't always have those components. Cat 6a cable is usually going to be a bigger cable, usually between 0.25 and 0.357 outside diameter, where Cat 5e will range usually in about 0.18. Question six, how many category rated cables can I get in a three quarter inch conduit? Now there's several factors to consider here when, when trying to answer this question. First, what is the outside diameter of the cable? Second, what is the fill ratio that you're trying to be compliant with? The 30% or the 40%? And how many bends are in that conduit run? Let's look at a couple examples. Let's say that you have category 5E cable and the category OD, the cable OD is 0.18 inches and you want to have a conservative 30% fill, right? You can place six cables in that conduit, assuming it's a straight run with no bends, like a stub up for like inside of a wall. If you want a 40% fill, the same parameters would be, with the same parameters, it would be eight cables. If you place one bend within that percent fill ratio, your cable drop drops down to seven instead of the eight. If you put in two bends, it goes from five from that eight. Now, just to show you the impact that the size of the, 
cable has on Cat 6A in this application. A Category 6A cable with a with two bends and a .310D Category 6A cable and a three-quarter inch cable, you can only put in one cable. There are several conduit fill charts in the TMM, and they are a great help for doing this determination. We will limit the, the number of cables placed in the conduit because if you overfill the conduit, you're going to have to pull harder on the cable to get it installed. That excessive force can change the twist rates, it can stretch the copper, and in some scenarios, it can even break the copper conductor. Question number seven. Do I have to use a patch panel when installing category rated cable? No, you don't. And in fact, some scenarios, it makes sense to have another connecting hardware other than a patch panel. For example, like installing HDMI extension over a balanced twisted pair cabling. It's common practice to put a faceplate on both sides of that cable and have them terminate on a telecommunications outlet. Or you could put a faceplate on one side and then an AP8C connector with a plug right directly into the equipment. That's called an MPTL. For your network drops, though, you're going to find that a patch panel is going to be a better option. The patch panel is an administrative point where a person who's in charge of the network can easily have access to a high-density, readily available, reliable, and durable connection field. Now, they come in all different kinds of sizes, from 12 to 96 ports, but the most common will be 24 and 48 ports. Patch panels are often used as an interconnection or cross-connection within the telecom space. Now, when using patch panels, it is a good practice to allocate one rack unit of horizontal wire manager for each rack unit of patch panel plus one additional wire manager. This will provide you with the most flexibility for moves, adds, and changes. Now, if you're installing an angle patch panel, they do recommend that you do the vertical wire managers. There is a trend right now where some companies are basically putting in patch panels and switches with no horizontal wire managers. And then they'll run three inch patch cords and activate every single drop. Now the problem with doing the cable this way is it doesn't give you any ability for moves, adds, or changes, right? Or if you have to go behind that patch panel to work, especially if you've got a rack full of them, then you can't get in there. It just does make it a lot harder. Having those horizontal wire managers gives you the advantages of being able to do those moves, adds, changes. There are some disadvantages to using patch panels. And the first one is they cost more than using regular connector blocks. They're also not able to split pair to split the pair counts fewer than the ports that are actually on the patch panel. Patch panels often will not have the same or even lower port density when you compare them to connectivity blocks. So you don't necessarily have to use patch panels, but it, it's going to be the better choice most of the time, but not every single time. I hope these seven questions helped answer some of your questions that you've been wanting to ask. If not, make sure you shoot me some more questions, and we'll answer them in one of our After Hours Live event shows. So until next time, remember, knowledge is power. That's it for this episode of today's podcast. We hope you were able to learn something. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future content. Also, leave a rating so we can help even more people learn about telecommunications. Until next time, be safe.